Hey there, welcome to the Faces of Marketing podcast, where we talk about the human stories and lives of different people and perspectives in the marketing profession and entrepreneurs and movement makers. This is your host, Ryan Buchanan, and I'm here with my good friend, Jesse Dooley, who is a bundle of energy, total dynamo, formerly the backup singer for <laughs> rock band Slayer, and most importantly, the founder and CEO of Burn Cycle. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Um, so I want to kind of take the audience back to, uh, we had lunch about a week ago and, um, we were just, I was kind of sharing some of my failures and I've got this talk coming up, um, called EO talks. You did it last year. You did an incredible job. Um, but so we we're talking about like stress and anxiety and all the fun stuff being an entrepreneur <laughs> too. Uh, and I just, I just, had this moment of like oh yeah Jessie's in my tribe like she's an entrepreneur she's she's pretty amazing but but you shared this cool thing that you do with your staff or maybe it's just your executive team but you kind of like um pick one word to encapsulate kind of the theme that you have for 2019 for you personally not necessarily for the company yeah, yeah. and um you know here I think I'm not alone in viewing you as this like badass entrepreneur you uh emceed this 700 person oen awards dinner and all of these things and um so it wasn't a surprise but it was a little caught me off guard that you were like um that your word was worthy uh and um and i just i was gonna have you talk to us about the outside persona that all of us see as this like you know confident you know just incredibly worthy woman as this entrepreneur and then like your inner voice and and how those are kind of disconnected oh her yeah yeah (laughs) so we the kind of concept or the thinking behind it is um you know everybody sets goals we're obviously very ambitious people as entrepreneurs but in our company to just to backtrack a little bit so you understand the context of it is um, instead of setting a goal I want to go to Hawaii you know we set the goal of you want to feel balanced um, or you pick the word balance and then you start to recognize where that shows up all the time and you don't have this attachment to this one thing that's going to show up Um, and we've done it for years now and it it's sort of just things, different things bubble to the surface and it gets really real and it gets really raw very quickly when you um, start to do that and you really start to kind of peel back the layers and look at what you actually want to improve on. And we as a company are just, uh, we're in the fitness industry, but we make a very clear point to to exemplify that we're not in the business of change. We are committed to growth, which I think is, you know, longevity is a mindset committed to growth. And so when I was sort of looking at this year, this is the first year that I'm not opening a location or having a baby. So I don't have this hard deadline of impending doom that is going to add this mm-hmm. enormous amount of stress to my life. And um, this last year was incredibly challenging. Once we we ended up opening three studios in eight months. I had a baby. We had, I'll get into it later, um, a lot of turnover, which was hard but necessary. And um, some things really came to a head, and and I didn't handle it the way that I wanted to on the inside. And I wasn't, I guess, the person that I wanted to be on the inside. Uh, and it took a lot of, who I don't know, uh, vulnerability is such a buzz term, you know, but just a just some hard conversations with myself to really lean into the why don't I feel like enough why don't I feel like I can do this what is it and kind of just started to write stuff down and think about it more and meditate on it and have conversations with coaches and therapists and um, really try to get to the bottom of it and it was that I just don't feel worthy of receiving and I, I don't think I'm alone as a woman we find it so hard to receive compliments we find you know, we have to prove ourselves or I just genuinely, for whatever reason it is, feel like I have to actually do more to feel successful or to earn love or to earn time off. Um, Maybe that's a common entrepreneur thing, but, or to earn respect. I just feel like I have to do more. And I kind of, this is the first year. And I think because I don't have these deadlines and for the last five years, I've just put my head down and I'm going to plant 
I'm going to plant my seeds, whether those are children. So if I just get them done with having them, you know, making check. them check, check the box. Right? I did it. I birthed them. There they are. Oh my God. We have to keep them alive. Okay. Uh, same with studios. We kind of just put our head down and went for it. And this was the first year going into it where we didn't have that. And all of a sudden I started to get a ton of anxiety around, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Cause the energy, my energy has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I started to sort of, I guess become aware of that where I could step back and kind of take the 30,000 foot view. Be like, whoa, wait a second. This is pretty fucked what we just did. We had, my husband has his own business. I have mine. We grew 500% in the first three, four years. And we also wow. in the same five years had three kids. So we have three kids, five and under. And that's a, that's a shit show. Like that is a, there's no way you can describe Chaos. that without using yeah. an enormous amount of curse words about, yeah. uh, and so um, but it was the first time I think I was able to actually gain a little bit of perspective on what we've done and then realizing what was going to keep happening was I was just going to keep going and it's this vicious cycle of not feeling like you're doing enough because I realized I just don't feel like I'm enough and I don't know why I have all these accomplishments under my belt and belt only one belt. Uh, but anyways, it was just a fascinating approach. And so here I thought, going into 2019, I was so excited. I'm like, I'm going to go on so many fucking vacations. I'm just going to, like, read for leisure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nap. Like, And then this all sort of came to the surface in December. And I was like, oh, this is going to be the messiest year yet. Uh, yeah, so I think I was really motivated to, to go into 2019 thinking it was going to be a year to coast. And then... Um, kind of got to the bottom of this and and I'm nervous and excited and kind of bulldozing into it and gonna see what happens so I, I hope I can document the journey I'm a pretty public wear my heart on my sleeve but yeah. hopefully I can give some people that are also feeling this way some some uh, permission to explore that too so yeah for a very long-winded <laughs> explanation of that uh, I never promised it was kind of it's funny leading up to today um our email exchanges. I want to pay you, <laughs> not not that you sometimes take a month to respond. So I'm not going to so go long. over that. But oh God, when so back when when you were being responsive re- recently, <laughs> you and I'll pay you a huge compliment. Like you remind me of my mom, who is a badass woman and entrepreneur as well. Um, in that you're kind of a 75 year old woman with your all caps. God. Like, so, like every other sentence is all caps, like, OMG, OMG, like, this is amazing. This is awesome. <laughs> so, so I just like your energy comes through on electronically through email, through your social media oh posts God, and all that it. stuff. It's like, usually there's a disconnect between like the in-person, mm-hmm. you know, persona and the, oh, the digital, but good. it matches oh, up for it with you. I just want my sure. emails to punch you in the face. Yeah, I think yeah. all caps is really a lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a, it's gonna be a lifestyle brand. I'm gonna create that next. Just nice. called all caps. People nice. get it. So um, cool. So as we do always with the podcast, we start in the beginning. And um, so yeah, so you yeah. grew up in Oregon, right? Tell me yes. a little bit of yeah. So I was actually born in Seattle, and then we moved down here when my father bought a company when I was a kid, um, and I basically peaked at day zero being born into the family that I was you know uh, yes very privileged but thing to say but my uh, my father is 68 and just started his seventh company uh, and he is a tried and true entrepreneur I mean his Volvo has 500,000 miles on it so (laughs) when I say he started his seventh company he's not taking private jets anywhere he just he builds things and then lets them go and he's um He's just, he's incredible. And him and my mom have always worked together. Isn't that crazy? There was a couple of years where they didn't, but oh, I, as if I couldn't respect them more, I'm just respect. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, then we moved down here and, and uh, my father bought a crating and packaging company, which was very exciting because that meant that I had the best tree forts. Nice. We built boxes. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. we got all the scraps. So we mm-hmm. had the best forts. So. Um, yeah. And uh, you have a sister? One and- sister, and she's seven years younger. And you can tell when the uh, economic upturn happened in our family because I'm super scrappy and could play with a stick and a sock. <laughs> and uh, uh, she uh, is a 
is a lovely human being. Uh, she's actually an entrepreneur as well, um, but she just has rose-colored glasses and expensive taste. And she's <laughs> she's self-made. I, I respect her deeply, but we are total opposites and in the best way possible so um yeah so just one sister seven years younger and and she's she's incredible she's an interior designer she's about seven inches taller than me which is very unfair but the big <laughs> ones go down like a tree so that's what i always tell her <laughs> so um so what was what was it like growing up like you were did you play with sticks in in nature and uh or were you no. super sporty and into all kinds um, of athletic I mean, stuff. I've had this amount of energy since I was a kid. I regularly call, now that I'm a mother, I regularly call my parents and just apologize and just say thank <laughs> you. Thank you for that. Um, though my, my parents being entrepreneurs and me, just, just having me for seven years, I mean, I was on job sites. So it was laundromats, construction, I mean, you name it. My, uh, I used to get um, pennies for washers and nickels for screws at job sites. Mm. Totally OSHA approved. Um, <laughs> but I had a tiny hard hat that said my name on it and a, and a pink tool belt. And um, I think it was pretty awesome for a, a little girl to, to have their dad take them under their wing like that and take them to do all the stuff that's predominantly male. And so whatever business it was, they had a ski school. They had, they had everything in um, it's funny, I don't necessarily remember a lot of childcare. I, I definitely was a, went to daycare and there were times when I was in it, but I just remember most of the time going to work with my folks. And then mm -hmm. we were huge skiers. And so um, I played sports, but skiing was, um, I mean, again, I don't know if it's the, my mom called it reckless optimism, but you put us in a helmet and we'll do anything. And so that was a huge part of, of our lifestyle growing up. But we, you know, it was, it was I don't want to make this sound bad, but it was work. We went to work with my parents, and we helped them. And um, our family motto is kind of, we always say, uh, you know, work is love made visible. It's how you show up for people. You know, words, talk is cheap to, to small business owners. And so, um, yeah, we, we, like, if you need to move, people call our family. Like, if there's something that needs to be done, um, I guarantee you my parents are, the last ones at the majority of any party most of my friends have attended, whether it be their own wedding or baby showers or um, burn cycle parties or anything, our family is always the last one there. Kind of so. to suck the marrow out of life, like to get the everything. most out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we just don't waste any daylight. And my dad is very energetic and my mom is a very calm, logical human being, but she's like a tiger so she can walk in the room and she won't say a word, but everybody knows she's there. She's the mom that's not mad. She's just disappointed. She can look at you with one look and you're like, oh, God. Growing up, it was just don't, don't disappoint Kathy. Just whatever you do, don't disappoint Kathy. Because they believed in us so much and they would give us chances and they were, they were so energetic that they were willing to do all this stuff that all these other parents would ever, ever take the time to do. And so, I mean, my dad um, they actually made a rule at our high school that you couldn't bring power tools to build the homecoming floats. Because when we were freshmen, my dad was like, we're going to win this shit. And I was like, yes, we are, dad. And so because he had a construction company, he showed up. And we had generators. And it was so. Um, and did you, did you win? Of course we won. Okay. Of course we won. And then they made those rules. And we're like, it's bullshit. Um, but anyways, so, so. so with that as context, like mm -hmm. what I'm intrigued by your answer to the question of um, – when an adult came to you as a 10-year-old girl yeah. and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did you say, I want to be a small business owner in this thing? You no. know, like, what, what came to mind immediately? You know, it's so funny. I, I wanted to be a ski racer. Turns out you need to be about four times my size to be any good in that. Gravity helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen a professional female ski yeah, racer, sure. they're like, they, they, I am the size of one of their quads. It's ridiculous. Um, or I always wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Always. Because I always just, I love to make people laugh. I don't know. I was a really ugly child. Like, just the ugliest. No, I'm not even kidding you. I see these pictures. I have six calyx, seven calyx. I don't know. Mohawk. And I've always had this husky voice. And I, I mean, I just, like, and my dad would always put me in football gear so they'd be like oh he's gonna be a linebacker because i was just so solid as a baby and so my dad joked well he had to give you a personality i'm like well thanks dad but uh so um anyways my my whole family is really really funny there i got uh, four uncles that are hilarious so um Titan live was always something i i wanted 
just to always want to be on Saturday Night Live too. That was I think my first email address was soon the number two and then B uh, SNL at AOL.com. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so nice. I think I wanted. I, I also for a moment wanted to be the first female NFL ref. I just saw Ooh, the yeah. first female NFL ref yeah, to yeah, do yeah. a playoff saw game. That. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you're not gathering it by now, definitely raised as a tomboy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then my sister again on the other side of it. Always as a fresh manny. Always put together. So lovely. So, so you breezy, so. you're kind of in the Emma McElroy's tribe as far as yeah. like the. When she. Tomboy. Started thing. making tomboy shirts. I was like, oh God, I feel so seen as a human. This yeah. is so great. And, and you know, actually, uh, somebody just asked me what my um, least favorite part of my body was and my favorite part of my body was, which was such an interesting question as a woman because. I've never heard that question. Well, no, before. you're a dude. No yeah. one's going to ask yeah. you that. But women, we think about it so much. And I've always just been the size of, I joke, the size of a 14 year old boy, but I've also never thought about my body body a lot because it was never it was always my personality and always being a tomboy I never it was just never a you go through phases I dressed like a girl and a lady and stuff sometimes but I don't know it was that was such an interesting question to I get it I see it all the time it's what I do for a living but uh for me personally anyways yeah yeah yeah, tom tomboy for for life I definitely uh learned how to Molons and the difference between a Phillips head and a flathead scooter. Those are very key things. You gotta oh, yeah. learn standards for power tools from my dad, and cool. it was really empowering. Anyways, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, where did you go to high school here? Wilsonville, the thriving metropolis down south, the uh, 97070. I'm very proud of the town I grew up in. I love it. And I could see you being in like lots of different groups, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. not sure, just with the nerds, but yeah. like also with the athletes and the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I don't know if you were in the smoker crowd too. No, but I just sound like you, it. Yeah, thank that's you right. for asking. <laughs> yeah, thank you for right. asking. <laughs> yeah. So, so high school, um, mm-hmm. formative time and, uh, you're huge. Yeah. And so, I think I peaked in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so were you in leadership? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah? for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, Wilsonville, when I was growing up, and Wilsonville was very small. So we had, I don't know, this is where we need a fact checker. We need a fact checker. My right-hand man on my company, Kelsey, I'm like, she Uh she produces everything we do at Burns Cycle. I'm like, I need to fact check this. I don't remember, but my graduating class was 100 kids. So it was very small at the Uh time. So, Um, But we, so we all kind of knew each other but there was I had friends that were in drama and friends um, that were the hardcore athletes and friends that were you know in the car club these guys they were like my favorite guys they always just fixed up cars and they were yeah but if your car broke down you didn't want to call your dad because you were definitely somewhere you shouldn't be you could call them Ah, (laughs) it was great Um, yeah all of all of the different groups we um, and it's a it's a I loved where I grew up because it it is it is a true community. I mean, we had, um, we all still see each other and we all still have this just like love for each other. You can see someone three years later and you're like, oh my God, how are you? Yes, it's so, and um, I'm very lucky. I get to see a lot of them at Burn Cycle. And um, it was really interesting because when you're, you grow up in a small town, you just want to leave, you know, and you're just like, get out of my business. All these moms are in my business. and. Um, and then we had this, this actually was kind of a defining moment for me. This is outside of high school, but it made me really appreciate, I think for the first time, what high school did for me. We, um, one of my very best friend's moms passed away mm. recently and it was, uh, it was a couple of years ago and it was sudden and, um, she was sort of one of the matriarchs of the town. She mm. was just this icon and everyone knew her and none of us knew what to do when we found out she passed it was about four o'clock on a Monday and within an hour everyone had driven to the farm in Wilsonville and there was 50 of us there and we didn't know what to do but we just brought firewood and beer and we just sat and it was just this moment where I was so grateful to be around these people that had really formed who I was and I just it's it's so special that's like an Oregon story there like this empowering community in yeah. Oregon and there's something special yeah. about here and the you know Oregon and just heart people people with heart and soul and mm-hmm. I, I'm very grateful high school is 
was good but rough. I was a I was a, a bad kid with the most potential. So <laughs> I, can, I was totally I can see in leadership. That. I can see but that. I was like rebel. You're a rebel. Oh, oh just a misfit, troublemaker, noisemaker, troublemaker, everything. Um, so definitely did all the terrible things that no parent wants their kids to be doing in high school, but then was student body president mm-hmm. and then, you know, organized, you know, events and, and charity organizations and always made time to do stuff with kids younger than me and, um, worked a lot with special ed kids. That was always just such a slap in the face of reality because they don't care if you're cool or mm-hmm. popular mm-hmm. or what you look like or how smart you are. They, they they're incredible. Those kids were an amazing part of high school for me. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a good time. But it was I made terrible choices in boys, and that was a really um, challenging part for me. So I was able to excel academically and leadership-wise and sports-wise. But man, the, as I think a lot of girls in high school will say, oh, it was just destructive. It's the worst. <laughs> God, I'm just thinking about sending my daughter to St. Mary's. Like it's any better, but uh, uh, anyways. Yeah, I have two daughters, and one's a junior. Oh, and God, I am sorry. Yeah, it is awful. But she's making good choices, so as far as I know. And I'm just let's not delve into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm interviewing We're you, you, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't t- don't <gasps> turn the tide on me. We're gonna here. start sweating. I'm gonna yeah. start sweating. I mean, flashbacks. You're gonna start yeah. sweating, thinking about the future. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll save that for another time. So and then. <clears> um, I am doing a lot of college tours with my daughter, and so I really think about this a lot, of like that decision to go to which college that you end up going to is so formative, and so I just wonder, did, even though you were only in Seattle, like for the, your Mm -hmm. early, early years, Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. you want to get back there for going to college at UW, or? I mean, let's be honest, I'm a husky growing up in Oregon. It was rough. (laughs) Like, they have Civil War Day, you Uh know? And then my dad would send me to school in purple, and I'm just like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) No, he he would and I do it, but uh, it was, you know, toughing me up, I guess. Um, But he, you know, at the end of the day, I always wanted to be like my dad. I am my dad's daughter. We have the same energy level. We he was he is an incredible leader um and also he refused to pay for me to even apply to Oregon schools so they weren't even an option because you're like so he was going to pay more for yeah, you to go like, out of state oh yeah there was no he wouldn't even pay the 50 dollar application fee for Oregon schools and i was like well that's that's a lot of fucking money dude i'm like 17 um but i looked at california we looked at um florida the nyu i looked uh, NYU a ton and I went there actually went there for summer school every summer in between um, UW but my family was in Seattle and it was a big enough school that um, I was going to get away from I just wanted to get away I really wanted to be independent mm-hmm. and decent. so I didn't know anyone there which I liked I wanted to kind of see what I was made of mm-hmm. I, know, I, I like a challenge um, but it was it, it was such a it's such a good school. I mean, it's a phenomenal school. Uh, my husband went to U of O, and so I regularly remind him of my GPA and his. Although he was an econ <laughs> major, so he got way more out of college than I did. But um, it was just to and I and it, you know when you're younger and you're probably going now that because when we toured California schools and we toured um, Northern California, Southern California, Florida, there's something about these huge old buildings in the Pacific Northwest that have the moss growing up the sides mm-hmm. and you know that and NYU is great but I really wanted football games and the college mm-hmm. experience and so um, I kind of got the best of both worlds being able to you know be in a dorm I was in the Greek life and and then being able to go to football games and study at this really incredible school and um, and then be able to go to NYU in the summer so I, I really feel like I I got the best of both worlds. What I learned from college, I can't quite tell you. But um, <laughs> well, did you, was it business and marketing stuff? Or? No, no, I was oh. a theater major, oh. and so and then I took business classes because my dad, like, but it didn't. Um, and I did history, which is super applicable uh, for an. But my dad did make me go up to Seattle early and get a job because mm-hmm. he's the best and uh he's smart and so then i was in state tuition the next year so uh, if i was working from august to august okay. i showed residency anyway so yeah. so because because uh, i do sometimes think about that was a lot of money and i think yeah. i 
I can remember my social security number now and my dad's credit card at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, those numbers. But it wasn't, I don't know. I mean, college is different now. They get it. It's real world applicable skills. And, and I know, yeah. you know, cognitive Kinda. skills yeah. like executive thinking, things like that. I don't. See, I was I was kind of like you in that I was so gung ho on something that didn't seem relevant to business. I was yeah, an environmental yeah. science major. Oh wow! Okay. But then um, my junior and senior year, I just I I ended up getting a finance do- double major because it just came naturally to me. So I if I looked at you know the you now, I would mm-hmm. say like you kind of have this intuition around business, maybe because you grew up around it yeah. all the time, but like, I might have guessed that that would no, happen everyone, to you in college. Everyone thinks that, and I do I do a ton with college kids now, just because I, whatever, the door is open for me, you gotta open the door. And so, um, and it's fascinating to me, the difference of where they are and where I was in college, and they all assume that, but I got, I hope I'm never going to teach my dad how to download podcasts so he never hears that it may have been a waste of his his hard-earned money. Um, But I think the education that I got before college, because we would go, we had to go to work on the weekends with my dad, even through high school. So my father made my sister and I minority partners in his company when we were very young, when I was 16. And in order to do that, you had to go to board meetings and we had to learn the business and understand this. And this is, you know, the, the, uh, um, get or the book, uh, rich dad, poor dad. Yeah. 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 Totally. Well, there's a board game and it's called cash flow for kids and we have it. <laughs> and my mom just found it. <laughs> I'm oh like, Oh my, my. so it, that I think probably puts into context more of where I learned about business and and, and your I, sister was nine in the board meeting, if I'm doing my math. Yeah, I, she minus was. Seven. I don't remember when he. D- God, maybe oh, I'm maybe not. Maybe she joined board meetings. I need later. my fact checker. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. when it was because I I know that there was a stipulation on when you can actually okay. do that. Yeah. So maybe it's. But I remember being there in high school. Well, he let me drive flatbed trucks to do deliveries when I was 16. Maybe that's what. Mm. Um, but anyway, so we. I think most of my education was there, and I think the biggest thing I learned from my dad is there's something glamorous about this. Yeah. And that was, you know, nowadays everybody thinks it's just so glamorous with Instagram and, and yeah. whatever else. But anyways, and then after college, I went, I moved right to L.A., like right after college and just cut my teeth in the the industry that eats their young production and that. And so what like I learned Media there, production. Yeah, and, media, and yeah. I, I thought I wanted to be an actor tried that and tried so hard and was like this is just not working for me it's just not what I have to give to this world and um but I was really good at production because they're really long days and I got tons of energy and Mm -hmm. if most people are sour by hour eight and I'm like we're going on 18 and it's still blue sky (laughs) so uh that was a really but anyways I'm 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 no 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 that's that's okay no there's this this? no you're fine uh what I was gonna do so the uh I'll tee this question up with what I know of your background is you know you talked about high school and college and then you did kind of like Steve Jobs did like you did this like walkabout yeah totally yeah yeah (laughs) but like you did this epic trip to India and Nepal and all of that stuff so I guess the the question is more I'm projecting that the independence that came with that trip might have been a really foundational moment in your life. But if you look back, a lot of times that foundational moment happens in high school or college of something that either gave you a ton of independence and confidence to do whatever, to ultimately not be a surprise that you're a successful entrepreneur as you are now. But instead of, you know, you're talking a lot about your dad uh, mentoring you, but to make that journey fully your own as Jesse's thing. Was there any kind of challenge that you overcame or any moment of independence in those years, you know, like teens or like twenties? I think, I mean, I had, so I, I've struggled with mental health since I was in middle school, ups and downs and anyone I would assume with my level of energy probably does that because you're going to ride a wave, you know, and so there's, there's ups and downs and, um, you know, can, ADHD, all that stuff that was really popular when, when we were kids and all that stuff, but it's, it's ups and downs that would be just reduced me, reduced me 
into these places of rock bottom depression I, I can't even depression I, I struggle to even find the ways to articulate it because those terms have become so casual mm. um, but I mean I was suicidal in high school and like because of that and so I think there were moments that I realized that there's there's nowhere to go but up so you got to figure this out kid and I don't know if that was in part because my dad can just you just we got this we got this and if it goes to shit it's fine we're gonna pick ourselves back up and then my mom is the epitome of empathy and caring and she will support you and support anyone in her circle and anyone in fact everyone in my circle and so I had this person who would go out and take charge and do this and it's okay to fail and then this person that would just support you no matter what and then so to have those sort of that internal intensity is what we like to call it uh, um, a lot of inner voice and ups and downs I think there were a lot of moments that were not never necessarily public or um, that you could write about and say this was the defining point um, that I decided to do this it was sort of this uh, just this constant pulling myself together and, and needing to just step up to the plate and then so I don't know if it's like the chicken or the egg which one came first I don't know if there's the seed of not feeling like I'm enough or if the seed is you're gonna fucking crush it in this world so do it you know I don't know which one it is but um so I I I always had the willingness to put myself out there and then with that came a lot of stumbles and a lot of failure and a lot of humiliation and a lot of tumultuous times with friends and boyfriends and then we would get over it and so it just sort of built slowly by slowly and so even though it was incredibly challenging I wouldn't take any of it back because it taught me that I can I can I'll fucking do anything. I don't even care. Just invite me to your wedding and I'll show you. <laughs> like I, I don't like what I'll just try it. I mean, it, I'll, I'll do anything and I'm the first one to jump out and try something or sing karaoke with the worst voice. I always just say that I'm a backup singer for Slayer because I sound like I am. But anyway, so I think there were moments. I think it just built. It just it was just so character building to have those struggles, but. I don't know if I'm if I'm articulating that well enough. But then to go to go away to school, which I know we're like a lot of we're pretty homegrown in Oregon. A lot of people go to Oregon and stay in Oregon, and I and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But for me, going away and having to make adult friends and learn how to function with humans that I didn't grow up with and that aren't always going to be there is huge, right? You is 90% of all of our stress is likely relationships, right? Or unspoken conversations or unresolved conversations. Or So I think having to go and start over in these new lives of, so having to go to Seattle and start in this huge school where all these people from all over the country come, all over the world, and then moving to LA and starting over and having to make a whole new tribe of people there and, and having to do that, I, I think. Um, so I don't know, and, and the, the yeah, I, anyway, so, so those were moments of where, yeah, where comfort zone and doing it geographically helps because it's immediate. <laughs> so yeah, so one thing that is stand out standing out for me is a thank you for sharing so vulnerably oh. right there, um, and that some there are some folks who I love the most in life and. I have a hard time because I am this annoyingly optimistic person oh, all yeah. of the time. Yeah. Can necessarily understanding, relating, um, and connecting to depression or whatever that mm -hmm. word is. And it, like, it stunts my own personal growth mm -hmm. because I'm trying and, and it gets in the way of connection. Yeah. And I guess this is super on the fly, but Yay, like, do no, you have, super open Ed, talking about it. and I don't know if, um, if your husband is in the same scenario that yeah, I'm in or, yeah. Or, but like, how, how do you give advice on walking with someone when they're in kind of a blue state? Yeah. You know, like I just, yeah, I, that's, 
I'm trying and I'm reading and learning, but like, yeah, I'm no, it's, failing um, often on it. And it's it. We're, we're, my husband is the greatest human ever. Um, and he's just like this calm lake and it just, he just grounds me and calms me. But it's, it's really challenging because when you hear someone and, and even for me, because I, I vacillate, like there's, there's no in between. It's either I love chocolate or I fucking hate chocolate and the world should be rid of all chocolate. Like there's no, I have no middle ground. Like mama didn't raise me to live in the middle. I have no idea what it would be like there, but, um, so it's either like, oh my God, we're going to take over the world. Everything is going to be great. We're going to save humanity. Or it's like, I'm the worst, you know, the, the, for me, the depression comes from just guilt and, and shame and self-loathing, which again is so crazy to even be able to put into context because I've got like, you know, I was the fucking prom queen. Like, come on, get your shit together. Right. But, uh, like all this stuff and this amazing family, this amazing life, but, um, we're just hardwired differently and things, things you know, shape you and, and happen in the way um, you learn to react things and some of us internalize it and some of us are external. And um, I think what I tell my husband is <clears throat> my very best friend in the entire world since I was in the sixth grade is, you know, they don't, you don't need to ride the wave with people. You just need to acknowledge that it's happening and it's real um, because we already feel stupid we already feel like we're broken and we already feel like we're not good enough because why would someone like me who has like this amazing business and three beautiful children that, that, you know, are, how did I get so lucky? And I have this amazing partner. How, how could I not have my shit together to not, it's not that I'm not grateful. It's, it's that these, these, these things happen and, and it's challenging to piece together why and for someone who's so um moves forward in life with a hammer not a paintbrush i'm not exactly like this mm -hmm. you know this person's um i don't understand it. you can't see it you're not why you know it's really hard for me to to sit with it and not feel really guilty and really ashamed of that and so when i talk to john and my best friend they they don't necessarily ride the wave with it you know what i mean so they don't react to me being reactive to whatever is going on internally because um, man if you get caught up in that you're both just going to spiral and that's exhausting for our partners and right. and we have really open conversations about that and um, and to not try to necessarily solve the issue at hand because it's likely not about the issue it's um, it's likely some some chemical makeup some long forgotten seed of whatever was planted that um, is affect affected the way we've made decisions and our way of thinking um, for years that we have to figure out how to unlearn. And so, um, you know, it's, it, my husband just will fix it. He, he's a fixer and it's awesome. It's great for, you know, toasters and, um, but you, you just want to be, you don't want to be fixed. You just want to be heard and acknowledge so, that it's real. Yeah, and you go that, back and forth because I always say, you know, um, lady lions, they circle when there's a wounded lion and they're just holding space. You're just holding space because the person will heal themselves. And my sister does an incredible job of it too, as far as, you know, you, you don't want to let, like for me, there's this really fine line of, of, of gently nudging us so we're not wallowing and we're not staying in that space, but also not shutting it down and not um, so it's sort of like riding a line of venting and complaining versus like just letting you work through your process and that process just looks different than other people's um, and so uh, it's it's I think I don't, we're, I'm on this quest to figure it out too because it's really challenging and I think there's probably a lot of people out there like me that are not maybe as willing to be as open about it as I am, um, and there's a lot of people that love them that want to show up for them, but don't know how to do yeah. it. And it's, I just the biggest thing for I know for me is to just I already like I said I'm just repeating myself at this point, but we are, and I think I can speak for this community. We already feel so ashamed and so broken. To just just let it be real, and that mm -hmm. makes us so just acknowledge it and oh that that it. 
I'm sorry that you're feeling that way. I see, like, I, I witness your human experience. You're mm-hmm. not making it up because it's in your head. And mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> no, that's helpful. Yeah, so, that's really I don't helpful. Know, it's, it's, his last year was a hard year, especially with like Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade yeah, and right. that stuff. Yeah. It was like Robin Williams. Yeah, it was. That was a hard year for mental health, and yeah. you know, so. No, but yeah, it's it it's so important for all of us to to learn from what you just yeah. shared um, because and I, don't, I have no idea that just yeah. works for me I'm a yeah. jury of one yeah so. right no it's uh, helpful um, there is a really funny YouTube video okay. though you should watch it it is a wife complaining to her husband and it's like it doesn't hurt here or here she's pointing to her forehead and it just it hurts right here and I just it gets caught on my sweater and then it zooms out and she's got a nail in her head <laughs> and her husband is just like just but you just let me get the nail out of your head. Just let me get the, you know, because then there is the time when you just complain to your partner. Uh-huh. And he's like, just fucking fix your window, Jesse. And I'm like, fine, I'll make the appointment. You know, so there are those times where you can <laughs> laugh at that. But if you haven't seen that, it's hilarious. Yeah. But um, just, just acknowledge that the nail is there. Just and acknowledge that yeah. the nail is there. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. pull it out on my own timeline, yeah. mm-hmm. my own journey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got it. So this is the only time that I'll ever segue from talking about something really intense <laughs> to it's okay. the, I can do this. I can yeah, to, I can do it. I can change channels. Like, it's yeah, <laughs> let's just switch gears to high energy, like the origin story of oh, yes. burn cycle Ooh, and yes. you know, how, yes. how did it all happen? Yes. Okay. So I, I, I went on my lady walkabout and that was the most amazing thing ever. So I was to, living in LA and yeah. I was like, whoa, fuck this, this is drying up my soul. Someone from the Pacific Northwest, we gotta go back to our people in the mountains. And so, this is crazy, I'll tell you this, I write everything down, Ryan, I am just always been a goal setter. I write everything down and I swear everything happens. So I saw this. Thoughts become things. Yes, 100%, I was just like, let me bring my crystals, let's fucking do this. I believe in that shit, manifesting it. So hardcore. Um, so I ha- was in this waiting room, this doctor's office, and I was reading a National Geographic, and I saw a picture of Nepal, and I tore the page out because I'm totally that asshole in the doctor's office, and I folded <laughs> it up, put it in my journal, put a sticky note on it that said 2008. No fucking joke. When I was packing all my shit up, like to put in a storage unit and sell, that picture fell out of my journal that was like from a couple of years ago. And it was October of 2008, and it had it was the fucking picture, and it had the sticky note on it, and I hadn't seen that in years, mm. like years. And I wrote down in a journal that I would marry a man that would wear New Balances for function, not fashion. And that's John Dooley. <laughs> he didn't give a fuck. He's like, you should never neglect your arches, <laughs> and like, you know, spinal health is real, and so <laughs> it's crazy. Is I'll, that like I'll, the first thing you said to him when you when <laughs> you like fell in love, like that moment? Like, no, he was actually wearing a suit in Blitz. Like right over here, uh-huh. this bar, and I'm like, "What are you a fucking sports agent?" First thing I ever said to him, because he was wearing a suit in Portland. I'm like, "Who's this fucking guy?" Anyways, that's a story for another time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I did that, and then I moved back to Portland. Went on this amazing walkabout in in Nepal and in India, and it just like got to the bottom of what I was supposed to do, and um, decided to move back to Portland, and then got into production here, and got this amazing job at a production company owned by a woman who was my mentor and just like taught me how to to do everything. She's fucking incredible. But it was um, same industry, just a different geographical location. And I was like, I started a nonprofit for young women. I started like a million things trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and it came down, if I had one extra hour in a day, what would I do? And for me, it was move. I'm just, energy's gotta go somewhere. I need to exercise. And there, you know, Portland is amazing. It's mild, the people and the weather. Like it's never too hot, it's never too cold, and everybody lets you merge, and we're just nice. And so there was no workout that would like melt your fucking face off. I was like, "Where's the intensity here, people? Like, what's where's my rage cage?" And um, I'd seen sort of the changing landscape of spin with the big brand leaders and stuff. And in Portland, all we had at the time was simulation writing. So like. 65 year old dude named Gary and like clipping <laughs> Tiva is playing the Beach Boys being like now we're going up Burnside. Gary come on like, Gary dude I'm just trying to like get some intense you know music and, and a good workout in it anyways and so um, I <laughs> I uh, actually went on this bachelorette party and there was 14 or 15 women all different body types 
all different economic backgrounds. They lived all over in the city of Seattle, and they were all paying $250 a month to belong to a spinning studio. And I was like, wait a minute, this is a business. Yeah. Wait a minute. And that was in December. Um, I had a business plan by the plane ride home. And then we had, um, I had a shoot uh, that was for a client. And I got an email about 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And the, uh, the client was extremely concerned about getting the cat to yawn. And I was like, this is not my fucking life. This is not my fucking life. And so from then we had a space in January, and that was it. Um, we were going for it. And then I was also pregnant uh, in January. Found that out, too. So, uh, yeah. we Were you worried about – so I just listened to a podcast interview, mm-hmm. um, How I Built This. I'm a yeah, big yeah. fan. And the two women that started uh, Soul Cycle. Oh yeah, I, I yeah. haven't heard that it's, yet. But everyone told me to listen to it. Pretty so cool. They're phenomenal. Yeah, and at least they heard from everybody's like, spinning is dead. Like this is a really dumb idea. All yeah, of, like, those people don't spin. Yeah. I, I so yeah, I'm sure you had LA. all these naysayers. <laughs> or had, um, yes and no. I think. Yes and no. I think people were more like, you're pregnant, what are you doing? Mm. And I was like, hold my beer. <laughs> um, and, uh, but, there, but boutique, what I did, I did most of my research and most of my pitches around boutique fitness, which was such a massively growing industry at the time, because I was 2013, so it was just beginning. And in Portland, there, there was no spinning. There was literally one spinning studio maybe two that were and they were totally geared towards cyclists and Mm -hmm. i spinning is i don't think it's ever going to go away it it it's always one piece of the pie um you know you should do other stuff but there is there is a feeling that you can get from spin that you can't get anywhere else because it's low impact Mm -hmm. so you can't i mean there's when you can feel your body weight, you're like, ah, fuck, you know, there's, there's just some stuff that happens when you're on a treadmill and you're pounding or you're, <clears throat> but in spin, you can essentially get runner's high in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's something when you can push yourself, that, actually to use the word, I mean, it's like we reduce people in these workouts. It is, it's high like intensity. A puddle of like just mush. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's not necessarily that it's, it's that we push people to their absolute physical limits, but because it's spin, you can sit down and take it at your own pace. So my dad comes and he can go all out, but he can go all out for a 68 year old man. And the, the person next to him can be 27 and be going all out. And you still feel this communal aspect and you're still vibing off the energy of the person next to you. And you're still getting this absolutely ass kicking insane workout um but two totally different body types two totally different perspectives two totally different humans and so that's not going anywhere do you you, did you convert any of the garys with their you know some of them yeah yeah. because it's just so intense it's really it's interval training at its core and so yeah we we get the occasional cyclists that come in in like their full kit and i'm like whoo I got this one, girls. And so we have to go tell them that it's interval training and it's uh-huh. we do it to the beat of the music and it's not it's not meant to be like riding outside. And, and some of them are like purists, so they're like, no fucking way. And then a lot of them, I mean, it's the energy. It's the energy of those rooms that, that we create that is, that is what is so potent and makes everybody leave like they're air punching. And like I said, you, 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 you get pushed so hard, you're like, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, oh my God, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, oh my God, I'm doing it, I'm going, oh my God, we're doing it, humanity. And so it's mm-hmm. like this journey that you go on, and I call it like daily maintenance. Daily maintenance, you can do hard things. People always think that they can't do hard things. And yeah. We're here to remind you that so every fucking day you can do the, it. The business model had others before you paved the way to have an expectation to pay per class. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. That's sort of the way that the model was going and we looked at so to look at the industry leaders you know um there were people that were like it's been done you're going to be a soul cycle copycat you're going to be this and you're like everything's been fucking done and mm-hmm. a little false bravado i thought i could do it better mm-hmm. um so you know i saw what i liked at this at flywheel i saw what i liked at soul cycle and i thought well here's what i can do for my people in the pacific northwest um and so we sort of knew where the industry was going and we saw that. And people were sort of shying away from memberships and commitments, but then we have both. So you can do both at ours. So it's membership mm-hmm. or, or paper class. So yeah, yeah, we, we, 
we did a lot of research because I was waiting until I actually had the baby to open the doors. So we were supposed to open in June, and then my daughter was, we decided to wait until after the baby was born, so I had a solid couple months there to do some R&D and make sure my, my model was correct. So That, um, that is different than me because I have a weakness in that I don't really do much research before just jumping yeah, into things. Yeah, And I would think that you're kind of the same way, but you... Oh, no, well, I did research on the surface-level stuff. No okay. fucking idea how to run a company. Okay. Like, no fucking clue. Okay. No clue. Like, no clue. Um, so many mistakes in the beginning. So, yeah, you know I mean? t- so do you many. have one or two that stand out? Or oh, just, man. whether I, they're little or big? There are just a million of them. I can't even... I'm trying to think of them right now, but, God, they just... It's just, you just have that visual of like flipping through the Rolodex because there's so many of them. You know, I, I don't well, know if How long did it take it to, mistakes, how long, just, like financially, that, because that can be so stressful is like ca- oh, ca- uh, we, managing cash and how totally. long it, you yeah, think we, to break even and cash flow is, it usually takes a lot longer. Like we struck while the iron was hot and how I do anything is how I do everything. So I was, there for every class i mean mornings and nights so thinking about fitness is it's early mornings nights and weekends and so unfortunate thing is my family took a toll but i was there my daughter was actually there for for most of the classes i mean she's a baby um but i was there for every single class there wasn't a single person that i didn't know in the beginning there wasn't a single i mean we we poured everything and I use the royal we because the people that um, were my first instructors and the people that I started with are still with me, which is amazing, and I'm so grateful for them. So um, I had one front desk force, two front desk people. One of them is 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 still with me, and she's just like was instrumental in what we created. And and uh, one of my really good friends um, from middle school and high school is an instructor, and then someone I met where it was just like. Zzz! And we're going to be friends for life, the other instructor. And we just, <laughs> we just poured everything we had into it in the beginning. And, and I mean, I literally, I knew if you were, what, what your position was, if you were going to be up for a promotion, if your boyfriend was going to propose, if you should dump your ratty ass boyfriend, like if you had a dog, like we knew everything about these people. Um, and we got very lucky again, we struck right when the iron was hot around boutique fitness. And so we opened in September of 2013 and we actually hit our 2015 projections in February of 2014. So we have like a euphoria business model, which is good and then awful for then every studio that you open then thereafter that expectation has been set yeah Yeah. and so um that was incredibly challenging and 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 very that it was awesome and then it was like fuck what have i done um because you can't you can't we 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 couldn't maintain that and that was really challenging um managing expectations as we grew and as we grew so did the entire industry so now there's an orange theory on every corner and there's boutique fitness everywhere and so um you know we were one of the first ones in portland and so so give us a sense uh as we practice our uh buddhist being present in the moment of you keep talking about how hard 2018 was Mm -hmm. and because you kind of thought like, oh, I'll be able to relax now. I'm not going to have a kid and open yeah. another studio. And like now I can relax. And see, I always think like the life, the world has a way of as soon as you relax as an entrepreneur, for oh, yeah. it just smacks you in the face just, hard. Yeah. And Is that so, a rug you're standing on? Let me pull it yeah, out. Yeah, right, right. You. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about what, yeah, some, you know, some of the things that happened that you're. Yeah, we, so we, um. The idea was we were going to open a studio a year. We are going to have five studios. And um, I think I got a little too big for my britches. And I thought that I was comparable to these massive companies. So by the nature of being in Portland, I want to be like bar three. You know, so we would compare ourselves to them. Um, we love and have fostered an incredible relationship with Lululemon. Want to be just like them. You know, and the way they treat their people. Um, soul cycle this, flywheel that. Well, we adopted a lot of their practices and a lot of what they were doing um, without the understanding and the perspective that we are a small business. And so those companies are making five billion. You know, those companies have a hundred plus locations. They're doing a hundred and nineteen million in revenue, and we're doing three. And so um, that was, and that all sort of 
hit and and sort of really landed I would say in in end of 2017 2018 because we we thought we could do all this um, and then we were going to open in Seattle which is a huge market it's you know three times the size of Portland and there's there's it's noisy there's shit everywhere there's huge companies and also we are a very small company, so the permitting process in Seattle with Amazon, they don't fucking care about me. So from the time we first went up to look at our space, it was two and a half years later. Wow. So that that cost us a tremendous amount of time and resources. And But then we had sort of projected that we were this big company. And so the cash flow that we needed to sustain when we were now going to squeeze opening the remaining three studios into eight months was not there because we had full health benefits and we have incredible instructor pay. You know, we were paying what Lululemon was paying and what, and we had, you know, to adjust that stuff, which is, which is awful. Cause I really, really taking care of my people is, is crucial to me, but it was a very humbling, um, humbling thing to do in that, in that sense and and also to to try and go to Seattle and think that just because we're in Portland we can make it in Seattle um you know that we had we had to get our shit together mm-hmm. we had to actually yeah. market and yeah. and figure that out and well, and do stuff like yeah. that so well was, mark how that's it this is called faces of marketing yeah, even though yeah, you know yeah, we, yeah. it's really about entrepreneurs mm-hmm. but like how have did any of the it seems like your success was very word of mouth in Portland. And, and mm-hmm. so when you had to intentionally, you know, kind of market, w- did any of those campaigns stick? Did they work or? Yeah, it's, you know, here, I'll, wait, I'll caveat that with the last and most challenging part of the end of 2017 and 2018 was that as most entrepreneurs do in the beginning, I heard all my friends and we all went all in. Everybody was so all in. And it's natural for us to burnt out. I mean, I'm fucking burnt out as fuck. Like, we're entrepreneurs. It's, I'm working on that. Um, but most of the people that helped me start the company in my HQ, um, and my instructors are still there, but we have sort of pivoted and moved people into different positions, was a lot of turnover. So I had a lot of turnover, and a lot of that was friends. And that was so hard and so challenging to realize that the people that were with you in the beginning may not be the right people to take you to where the company needs to go now and and they don't want to work like they you know some of them don't want to work these crazy start startup hours yeah it's exactly like they you know and it's so challenging everybody says don't work with your friends for a reason you you definitely want if i learn anything two separate lives you know um and so we um, we were doing the best we can with the tools that we had at the time, um, and we got to Seattle. We we didn't know how to market. We were like, "What? Everyone has these funnels. We should get some of these funnels. Where do we get these funnels? Like sales yeah. funnels? Yeah, like not things. like not like beer bong. Funnels. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that was college. That's yeah. what I learned okay. in college. Right. Um, I just wasn't sure if you were no, still living those years. No, yeah. no. I mean, I'll do it. Like, yeah, do it. <laughs> Let's go. I'm not pregnant. Let's do it. Um, it. So it was. And we tried to do basic marketing and like what you think of for marketing and and again it's just so noisy in Seattle. There's so much. It's just 20 million times bigger and Seattle fitness is convenience based. So why would they come to to our place? Why would people go out of their way to come to our place? And so we kind of had to regroup and really go back to our roots. I mean, like you know what we are like our mission statement as a company is um, connection is what we do. Movement is just the language we speak. And so we actually kind of turned inward and really focused on the experience and customer service and curating the, which I don't know if this helps you on a marketing podcast, but um, when people leave, they don't leave with something, you know, it's not a product, they they leave with a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we brought in and relocated a director of ops from Los Angeles who's been incredible and instrumental in sort of streamlining customer service and engagement points. And, experience. Yeah, yeah, to get it really tactical, if you will. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and in having the right people in the right seat. So I've now found this little posse of women that have my same energy, my same optimism, my same, like, oh, hey, girl, your earrings look good. You know, just, if your earrings look good, just say it. But people don't think to just compliment people, you know. And so now we have sort of one of those people at 
each location and it's fucking amazing because they just set the bar for the energy and that's the one thing people want that's what we can sell is positive energy and so um that has helped tremendously the other thing that we do is we make sure that we don't just like plop down um specifically in portland this is a huge part of when we started we're not just trying to be some business in portland we are part of this community so collaborating with people is so huge for me so we've collaborated with beer companies with with Wild Thing, with you name it, Portland Gear, like we um, are really about alliances and connection and um, it not necessarily be like, all right, you send your people over to my studio, we'll give them a discount, I'll send you. It's not really like that. It's it's just knowing that we're all in it together and surrounding yourself with more people trying to do kind of things that you're doing and then it just organically grows, which to us has led to... Um, just a really deep loyalty. Like our right. people are evangelists. Values alignment yeah, at, at yeah. the extreme. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So I wish, I thought you were going to tell me all the marketing secrets <laughs> on this podcast. Wait, that's yeah, not what we're that's doing. That's how it works. No. We're excited that we're getting really sophisticated this year. And it's, I guess if there's anybody out there, you know, entrepreneurs, you can be like, we're going in year six and uh, we're, we're headed into year six and we're just now getting really dialed. But it's really exciting for us because we're, our goal last year was to grow up as a company and it was painful and we did it. Um, and so this year it's, it's really about refinement and sophistication and return on investment. ROI. Nice. See what I did nice. there? See what I, I did like there? it. I like it. Uh, yeah. So we're, we're super we're super pumped. Oh, that's awesome. Um, well, we are, uh, we're right at time here. Oh, yeah, so. I talk no, no, I love, and- I just love that we talked about some hard things. We and covered a lot of ground, We did. Ryan. We really did. Yeah. yeah. So anything else we should squeeze in the weather, yeah, the yeah. <laughs> size, just like what can we cover right now that would be super I don't know. Random. I feel good about it though. Yeah, yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you for thank being you on the so show. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Awesome. Peace.